This is Mark. And this is Kenny. And this is All I Want to Do is Talk About Madonna. Album four, side one, track four. Till Death Do Us Part. Oh, this song is iconic. How, how is this the poppiest, danciest song on the record? That's, is that irony? And it has like a dance break. It's the only one with a dance break. <laughs> oh, you're right. And a guitar, that actually ha- has a guitar. It's a guitar solo. Yeah, it does. It's like so, it's one of her few guitar solos in the whole Ovor. Yeah, I thought that Dress You Up was the only guitar solo, but there's a guitar solo in this. Yeah. Um, I love it because it sounds it sounds such a warm uh and acoustic than all the synths from from True Blue. I mean, it's like it's all like the sound here is transformed. It's a total reinvention of her sound. And this is when when Madonna, everyone talks about Madonna being a, a master of reinvention. This is one of those this is one of those examples because if you hold this up against anything on True Blue, they don't even sound like the same artist in a lot of ways. Um, her voice is lower, it's more mature. She um, she's letting it all work together. I love it. No more. And you know, the other thing that's so great about the song is there's no more of the kind of sunny optimism of Madonna. She's not chasing after Sean Penn saying, I'm going to get you. I'm going to conquer you. She's kind of, she has to kind of grapple with resigning to how things really are. Yeah. This is one of two on this album of, her most confessional songs. And they're the first time in her whole, so far in her whole career, where she's walked this line so finely between fact and fiction. Yeah. Um, we, as an audience and listener, can't separate the song, the story of the song, from the story of what we have heard happened between her and Sean. And yeah. so the song feels like it's really true and super painful. Well, and I guess my question is, is how much of the, how how much, I think a lot of the details in the song are imagined, but the emotions of the song are are 100% real. I agree. I think, th- I think there are things about it that she, she autobiographically uses, and then there are things that she adds in to make it more dramatic. It's a very dramatic song. It really and is. It has... Um, Again, it's like a complete. Again, it's another completely different song and vibe and feel than the uh, than the first three, and there's a kind of woundedness to the vocals here that even when it's in that you know she he's not in love with her anymore part, which is beautiful, she, she sounds wounded and defeated in a lot of ways. Yeah, she's she's writing from a place of abuse. I mean, she's writing from a place of deep pain and it and singing from that place too. It fits right into her pocket, you know, her perfect place in her voice and she's allowed to really fill it with all of that emotion. I think um it's it is uh another song where her with acoustic guitar is like again, you know, one of my favorite things. It's like it gives it a folksy sound that her voice really connects with an it, it just it just always makes her voice sound so much more powerful and beautiful and clean. Yeah. You know? um, but the song has a lot of tricks in it. And I think in a lot of ways, almost more than I would say, you could disagree with me, more yeah. than any song in this album, 
it's the song that sounds the most 80s in its production. Like, I think that the beat is very 80s. I think that the speed of the song is very 80s. Like, it's yeah. it's too fast in a way. You know, I mean, it's not too fast, That's but it's it's fast. You know what I mean? It's like almost like take on me fast. I'll I'll give you the I'll give you the the kind of the 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 eighties isms of it, and I do think I mean I love that Madonna put a dance song about her divorce or what is perceived to be about a song about her divorce, um, as as kind of this upbeat kind of the the music and everything, and I think again the lack of synths really kind of anchor it in this kind of rootsy way that you're talking about that's almost folky, but there is these kind of like the electric guitars in it and those kind of ding ding that sounds very dated to me in or the yeah yeah listening to the song because my parents had divorced when I was um, eight or nine. And so I remembered um, a lot of the the kind of, you know, he takes a drink, she goes inside, he starts to scream, the bass is fly. And that didn't happen with my parents. But the mood of that and that kind of unease of like, what's going to happen and a kind of destabilization, I really connected to when I was um, 12 listening to this for the first time and I took it really seriously I took the song really seriously I took um, what she was telling me very seriously um, and I think the point of making it a dance song is to make it not so maudlin and for her to kind of take control of the narrative of her being this abused wife that's marriage is ending I don't know anything about you and your parents and and what you witnessed so yeah. um Thank you for sharing that. And I mean, if you want to, I, you know, uh, I think that's really um, striking. I didn't have any of that to connect with in my life. Um, I'm telling say. you, this record addressed every issue in my life when I was 12. Every mm. single issue. Wow. Um, the thing I will say is, is that, you know, I'm so glad Madonna and Sean Penn didn't have a baby and had a child. Yeah. This. Yeah. Right. I don't think that would have been a very good environment to well, we don't know. I think she may have gotten pregnant at some point. Yeah. Um, I think that may have been part of what was an issue with them because she didn't want to be a mother at this moment. Or maybe you know? with him. I don't think I don't think the Sean Penn of, of 1988 would have been a good dad. No, I agree. I totally agree. I mean, one of the things that I'm always taken by is how Madonna always in the face of disappointments and hardship always tries to hold on to the optimism and the romantic romantic that she really is under it all and this is one of those moments when it's not like the projects i feel like madonna when she's she's much more accepting uh, and objective about when projects fail or succeed they almost don't matter if it fails or succeed it's whether or not she was fulfilled for it but she really genuinely is mystified when because the thing is is like no matter what happens with the project madonna always knows that she works really hard to on whatever it is so at least she has the you know when she made true who's that girl she knows she worked really hard so just because it failed doesn't mean that she didn't work really hard. And I feel like it's really interesting that with her relationships and her marriages, she seems to have worked really hard and they still fail. 
and and right. and end. And right. there's got to be something very interesting and complicated about how she regards that and deals with that disappointment. Yeah, I think that's really, really interesting about her. I think we see this as, especially as she moves forward, well, in different ways, but in the two major relationships, this and with Guy, mm-hmm. um, it seems like the most important thing, the thing that she holds the most value is to be loved by yeah. some by one person, you know, yes. and that... And that the failure is what um, drives her forward to make a lot of interesting and strange choices over the next three years, yeah. you know? Do you think she she makes those decisions in part to kind of make up for this failure that she feels like she's she's done? Do I think, think it's I think it's more like, I guess this is how I see it because maybe I'm projecting myself onto this, but like whenever I make a mistake or, or something doesn't work, I go... the other way, you know, or a hundred, I do a whole 180. I just go completely. I'm like, well, that wasn't it. So I'm going to go this way, you know? And I think that's what she did. I think she, first she went into like, probably, because I think that there was something about, you know, Sean Penn introduced her to Warren Beatty Mm -hmm. and that then she goes and becomes, you know, romantically involved with Warren Beatty, which Never seemed like a true love, but like a well, a rebound. advantageous love. It was an advent. It was a transactional love. Yeah, and I think I always looked at that as okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna conquer your world to get back at you. So I'm gonna be in a big movie with a big movie star, a legend, a a a, fa- a, a movie star more famous than you are at the time. Yeah, and a and famous regarded, dog, like yeah. You know, I mean, you know, within a year she's doing when this album is coming out, she's um shooting Dick Tracy alongside Al Pacino. Right. I mean, like that's and you know, and people like Gene Hackman have cameos in that movie. I mean, so it's like these grand old school Hollywood actors and that's Madonna. Right. right. So there's this, like this yeah, I mean it 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 that that to me feels really logical. And yet yeah. crazy, like it's yeah. crazy. Yeah, it is totally crazy. I mean, I think she was also like, oh, he's, Warren Beatty was known as like the greatest ladies man of, of Hollywood of a certain time. And she was like, I'm going to be one of them, but I'm not going to be like them. I was reading yeah. the other night, which we'll talk about more later, the Norman Mailer interview with Madonna in 1994, the Esquire, which yes. is sort of like a, a, a wild piece. And he talks about how he had sat down with Warren Beatty, not to talk about Madonna, but they were talking about other things. But then Warren Beatty won't ever talk about any of his relationships, but Norman Mailer says, but if there was one he wanted to talk about, he wanted to talk about Madonna, but he wouldn't. But oh, he was like, he, she was the one that mystified him. Yeah. Um, which I love and makes total sense. Um, but I think I think Sean and Madonna always have seemed uh, closer alike, and they're yeah. two. I mean, we have never called them the poison pens yet on the show, and so I think you know, like that was always kind of their. I think they were best suited together in that, in that they were able to battle to get side by side, battle against a force that kept the conflict between them at bay when they were united against something else. And when that force was kind of dissipated or conquered, then it was just the two of them going at it. And ironically, this album 
always feels domestic to me and and warm and 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 kind of nurturing and and that may also be my own connection to it but um nothing is as rife and strifey as as till death do us part winds up being and and it ends with kind of a glass break, a glass shattering and yeah vi- uh, an indication of violence what's your favorite part of the song i really love uh the the guitar break i really do i love when it gets funky and guy pratt my my bassist idol he is in this song Mm. too it it sweetly undercuts it i don't think it upstages but it undercuts um, the, the the strum and drang of the lyrics, which are very dramatic and over the top and would be, again, if this was a ballad, it would just be a little like in this life from Iraq. <laughs> oh yeah. That's a yeah. good point. That's what good do you point. like? What's your favorite point? Um, I love, I just love the part where she's like, um, the bruises, they will fade away. You hit so hard with the things you say. that's really beautiful um the same woman wrote the lyrics to love makes the world go round welcome (laughs) to 1988 madonna and i also love the lyric our luck is running out of time i i am i'm curious about that and what that means and i think that that's a good kind of transition to talk about what really happened between the pens and i do think there was some abuse um physical abuse and and maybe some mental abuse. Um, I think it's interesting. Madonna um, is talking a lot in this time about being a big reader and being voraciously reading. I think there's probably, um, he may have chastised her for not being educated enough for, you know, um, I feel like that's something that kind of comes up because he's so well read and literary and she really wasn't. And she's playing these years. She's clearly playing catch up and watching every single movie she can watch and every single book. And I think he kind of um, added to that insecurity. Yeah, I think you're right about that. I think that, and she does end up learning a lot. I mean, with again with Guy Ritchie, you know, when he's like, if you want to be really legitimate musician, you need to learn to play guitar. And so she's like, I'm going to fucking learn to play guitar. Mm-hmm. I think that that's part of it. I had this thought that things started to go truly sour. I don't think it was the paparazzi that did it. I don't Mm -hmm. think, I think that yes, they were united in that. That was sort of something for them to fight together. I think that things went sour during Shanghai surprise. And Uh. my thinking is that what happened was that Sean saw that she's not, that acting isn't her forte and that it changed. I'm I'm serious because yeah. maybe you know this from your own life. Like, if you've dated somebody and then you find and they're an artist and then you see their art and you're not sure that you like their art or that they're good, it changes their appeal and it, they look different to you. And there's something about 
them going off to China together and spending all this time making a movie that's bad and that he can see that and that yet he can't talk to her about it, that maybe could drive him mad, you know, or that's, that that's interesting because it is, it's kind of like this horrible thing because you're trapped making a project you hate. You see how bad it is because you're more experienced. Your partner doesn't know how bad it is because they don't know yet. And what do you do? Right. And she's going like full force into acting. I mean, she's going from, she's making three movies in this time period and doing a Broadway play. And so that must be hard when, especially when he may be thinking this isn't where you should be putting your time, you know? Yeah. Um, And if they're not talking about it, that creates some kind of tension that then inevitably would grow. I think the emotional abuse and the dismissiveness and maybe the unwillingness to understand what she did, because I found it really telling that when he came to see the Rebel Heart tour and saw all of the millions of people in the stadiums watching her singing along and saw what she had accomplished and really kind of got it for the first time. And this was, you know, nearly 30 years later that, you know, and, and both of them were hugely successful and he had won two Oscars by that point. And, you know, how, how much was that, the pressure on them at that time, both of them really trying to make something of their careers at a time that was really going to make or break them because he had had a lot of accolades. She was obviously Madonna. And yeah, they I mean, were just not, and they were just not interested in being in the same place. Right. They were, they, were, they were in the same place for a brief amount of time, and then they both started to move in different directions. I think that's totally true. I think by 2015, they're both at a moment in their lives, which I think we're both going towards, though not entirely there because we're not that age. But I think as you get older, you let go of all these things that, you don't, that you're like, I don't, give a, I don't care about that anymore. That doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is that you're alive and happy and that you're doing yes. the thing you love. And I think that exactly. they can see each other that way, which I think was a beautiful thing. I will say that there, was, there is a police report that yes. indicates that he was drinking from the bottle and yes. that there was abuse going on for hours. That apparently and he tied her up. He tied her to a chair or something. Right. Yes. And that yeah. she showed up at the police station and she had a bloody lip and didn't look like Madonna and was very upset. And then eventually she withdrew the, the uh, assault report and then yeah. they filed for divorce. Um, and then in 2015, she put out a statement where she denied any of it happened. Um, so... So how'd you get That's, the bloody lip? Exactly. Well, her name is Luca. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't know. But um, I think it's it's also just adds to, you know, the Madonna mystique in a way. Like it's sort of like, and part of where we know with Madonna as opposed to some other stars or maybe a lot of stars, there's a very clear line between like what she will talk about and what she won't. And that that was her line. Well, and uh, I mean, not to jump too far ahead, but uh, I think Madonna in 1988-89 was yearning for connection and understanding and to be vulnerable and and to, to... for people to meet that vulnerability by by experiencing her music. By 2015, she is um, calling herself the queen and does not want to admit to any vulnerability or weakness. And that that police report, even though it's 25 years old, 
25, 26 years old, plays into that narrative in a way I don't think she really, that serves her anymore at that point. So right. it kind of makes sense that she would kind of like uh, deny it because it doesn't fit into who she is in, in that era. Yeah, I think that is true. I, I think that, yeah, that's part of it. I, I, I felt like when I remember when that statement came out and thinking that Sean had asked her to say it, because there was a lot of, he was getting a lot of flack, right? Because of other Me Too sort of moments he was having at that time. And, and Robin Wright had said right, stuff. And, right. you know. Cause, so, um, but, but yeah, an, an interesting song. But to go back to the song, it's, it's go back to the music. It always comes back to the music with us. It it all I want to do is talk about Madonna. Um, it, 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 it's a moment. It never had a live performance till death to us part. It never was remixed really. I think there's some bootlegs out there. They're not any good. I promise you. And it, it's just, it's one of those moments in, on an album that make you really appreciate an album because yes. there are these gems that I think this song probably meant a lot to her. I know she's really proud of it as a song and what she did. And everyone asked about it during the press for like a like a prayer. So, um, and so she, and she also knew it would get a lot of attention. And I love that it's just kind of living on like a prayer and you, you can't find it anywhere else. Yeah. It's a snapshot of a time. Yeah. Till next time. Bye.